All right, please go ahead, Jan. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> um, I wanted to ask about a question that comes up lately because I get pushed to, to that um, sense of loving others overly um, out of fear or out of guilt, not being good enough and then trying to love them so that they can't hate me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, it's a bit, it's a bit tricky. Like, I don't know. I'm feeling inadequate. I know that I'm trying to be honest with myself. Um, but I also want to love others and it's really, um, I don't know. I get responses that you should care about yourself and yeah, but, but there is some encouragement in myself that I want to love others, but I need to hold myself back. And I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit confused and it's, <laughs> yeah, maybe you, you, you have, some idea okay. about well you should continue to work on on your uh you know, getting rid of those feelings of inadequacy because that's that's the key thing that's that uh you know it makes you want to go put on an image you know it makes you not want to be you it, it makes you want to be somebody else so then you try images oh i'll act like this you know and then people will like me and they'll think i'm adequate and Oh, well, that didn't work. So maybe I should be like that, you know, and it's, you're constantly trying on one image or another, trying to be what you think you should be for people. And that's not really helpful. You need to just be who you are. Just be the person you are and not worry about, let the other people be who they are, interact with them, see if there's something that's interesting there that you like. If there is fine, if there isn't, then Find other people. So first thing is to work on that sense of, of uh, insecurity and let it go and stop trying to be who you think other people want to see. You know? Now, when it comes to loving other people, when it comes to be caring about other people, there's, of course, the, the dichotomy between being caring and appearing to be caring you know, pretending to be caring, acting as if you're caring. Well, there's a big difference between acting and being, as we've discussed, you've heard me talk about many times. So make sure that you're not acting. You're not playing a role to get a response. That you're just being. And when you're just being, you have to be sensitive to other people. You have to have to be aware of how you affect others. And that has to that has to control what you say, you know, and what you do. Another aspect of this is is telling the truth. Okay? Is it not best just to tell the truth to everybody all the time and wouldn't that be the best thing? No, it's not. Telling people truth that they can't use or that or that upsets them, or that makes them feel bad, or that uh, damages their self-esteem, is not helpful to them. So you have to be careful about not sharing some things just because other people won't know what to do with it, won't know how to place it. You know, if it's outside of their own experience or outside of their own feelings, 
they're going to have a really hard time interpreting it because they don't feel that way or they haven't, they don't have that information. So at that time, it's better to keep it to yourself or when you, you know, have friends or have other people that can share that feeling, you know, they do understand because they've been there. Well, now you can say a lot more. You can tell all those truths because that person will get it. You see, so one, you just can't say everything to everybody. You have to be a little careful about how you present yourself to different people because remember, their reality isn't your reality. Their reality is not the the reality. There is no the reality. Everybody has their own reality. They live in their own reality, and you have to interact with them and be aware of enough of what their reality is like so you don't you know, give them information they don't know what to do with. Because when you give people information that they can't interpret correctly, they'll interpret it incorrectly. And they will, get, they will have all kinds of things going on in their head that they imagine is in your head, and it's not in your head at all. But they're going to come to the wrong conclusions, the wrong interpretations of where you're coming from, what you're saying, what you're about. They will just misunderstand you in so many ways because they don't have the experience to understand you. And in their reality, you're not the same you that you are in your reality. They have a version of who you are in their reality. You see, you have a version of who you are in your reality. So you have to be aware that other people live in their own reality and you have to kind of meet them there in their space, in their reality, not tell them too much, not tell them too little, just interact with them the best you can. And the more you get to know them and the more they get to know you, then you can share more things with them. And you can share more things and more things. And pretty soon, if you have, you know, best friends and people you really know, you can say anything to them about anything. And it's okay because they'll get it and they'll understand. But you can't start there. You got to start with people you don't know very well, being a little cautious about what you share with them. Because they will take it and turn it into whatever they turn it into. And it may not be, it may be just the opposite of what you, of what you thought you were giving them, you know. They may see something entirely different in their world. So you have to be aware of other people and aware of how they see the world, aware of their reality. And until you feel like you know them well enough, Best not to, you know, best not to share any more than is necessary. And if you, you know, you can always, you know, you can try and say, well, let me, let me share a little something. I'm not sure how this will, how this will fly. We'll do that and then be aware of how it flies. If it's welcomed and embraced, well, fine, then share a little more. Right up to the point that it's not welcomed and not embraced. And then leave it alone. Don't try to explain it to them. No, no, that's not what I meant. I meant this. Because the more you try to get them to understand something they can't understand, you're just going to 
make things worse. So you have to just let it be and let that relationship develop until it's ready for that. So relationships start at a very superficial level. And people talk about things like the weather and their dogs and cats and their brothers and sisters, almost anything but themselves. They'll talk about what's going on with them at work and all kinds of things. Well, that's very superficial, but that's where it has to start. And then you can be a little more open and see how that works. And you have to be aware of what they're feeling and thinking. It helps if you can connect with them in a, in a way that you're aware of that, but Relationships take time to develop. Trust has to be built. Understanding has to be built. You use certain metaphors and they use different ones. You know, it takes a while before all that sorts out. That's why a really good friend is a very valuable asset because you don't have a whole lot of those. It takes a lot of investment to end up with a really good friend. Sometimes they die or move away and something like that. You have a big hole left in your life. But sometimes uh, you just need to meet the right people. You know, if you're hanging out with people that just don't seem to match with you very well, well, you ought to find a different group of people somewhere else that, that you can be more open with. They do understand what you're what you're about. But the wrong thing to do is to try to be what you think they want you to be, which is the tendency that people have when they feel inadequate. (laughs) They have a tendency to want to be what other people want them to be. And then they're doing a lot of acting and then their life seems and their inner and their interfaces with other people and relationships seem superficial and, and sterile. And they're not really, you know, they're not really exchanging at a deep level which is what people want to do. It takes time and you got to find the right people. But meanwhile, just be yourself and uh, be aware, practice being aware of others. I expect you do that. You know, be a, it's, you'll learn a lot more listening than you do talking. <laughs> so you can spend a lot of time just, just listening. You don't have to say too much. And often that's a good thing because when you don't say anything, people interpret that silence for, for something, generally something positive, not negative. And so when you say nothing, people have a tendency to think the best of you. It's usually when you open your mouth to speak that they end up with the opposite opinion. But uh, they think the best of you if you're just quiet for the most part because they interpret that silence in their own way. Well, if I were there being silenced, what would I be thinking? You know, and well, I'd be thinking deep thoughts and whatever. Well, that person must be thinking deep thoughts then. Oh, they're a deep person. You see, so they... They find you to be very acceptable. So (laughs) relationships are always tricky business. You know, you just have to let them go at their own pace. And some of them will never work out. They're just not the kind of person that you're going to get close to. You just have to realize that. And some of them will. 
But having really, really good friends is a gift that a lot of people don't have. Lots of people have lots of superficial friends, lots of acquaintances, but very few people have more than one or two really good friends. And most people, many people, don't even have that. They don't have any really good friends. And that is why uh, one, as you said, unconditionally loving the others, even though like I tried just to be as open as I could. I was in, on a vacation and met new people and it was just as open, talked about my fears and was genuinely open and as I am. And I felt like a deep connection, maybe because we are not uh, meeting each other for longer periods of time. We knew in the back, back of our minds that we will Go, I don't know, it uh, doesn't matter. Like, um, I felt like I could be deep friends with anybody. Mm -hmm. And that is basically just um, being excited and uh, caring about the other person and just listening, as you said. And then um, they open themselves up quite fast. But, but re just recently, I just started to think too much and then got a bit confused. So, yeah, don't think too much about it. Just let it go however it goes. And That intellect will confuse you to, to no end. You know, don't overthink situations. Don't think too much about them. Just do it and be it. If you did what you felt and that was good, it worked good, just let it be good. Don't analyze it. Yeah. It is what it is. You know, when you start analyzing things, it's because you, you, want to, you want to feed it. You want to encourage it. You want to... You want to somehow make it better and better to just let it be whatever it naturally is. However it occurs, that's good. And I guess that takes confidence, which is part of your problem. You don't feel very confident, but if you learn to just let things be, that'll build your confidence because everything will work out just perfectly. If you just let it be however it is, it'll be perfect because those things that are, that that, you know, don't work out so well, well, then they won't work out so well and you'll move on. And those things that do work out well, well, those will stay and you'll invest more time in them. So that's what I mean. Everything comes out just the way it should be. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, Diego, please go ahead. Thanks, hey everybody. Um, hey, Tom. Um, My question, I have two questions sort of on a similar note. Um, the first being dissociation. What is it in the MBT model? Why do so many people experience it? If it is a form of uh, kind of coming out of PMR, tapping into NPMR in a way, or if it's just a form of uh, escapism from PMR. So that's the first half of my question. Okay, well, we'll do it one a half at a time then because that way I won't have to remember what the second half was while I'm talking about the first half and that gives me <laughs> that gives me an advantage okay um disassociation when you feel like you're just not connected to anything or at least to anybody that can be an escape It can be a meditation. 
often in meditations you feel disassociated from at least the rest of the world while you're meditating. So there's a time and place for that. It's not a thing to be, you know, probably not a good state to be in if you're, you know, in a social gathering, you know, if you're at a party, if you're talking with friends, you know, just being disassociated there, that's not the t- that's not the place. So you have to to do that when it is the right time and place. And it's good to do that, you know, sometime every day. You know, meditation is a disassociation from the world. So that's a good thing. If you're around a bunch of people and you just don't relate to them and you don't relate to what they're saying, and it's been going on and on, and it's really hard for you to sit there and look like you're interested. So you just kind of drift off into your own space. Well, you're probably sitting too long with the wrong bunch of people. <laughs> you probably should, you know, find other people more interesting who are more interested in the things you're interested in to to uh, talk with. So I would, you know, not attend that gathering, but attend some other gathering. So it just depends. Yes, if you're having dinner with your family, you know, that would be a bad thing to do. You know, you need to be paying attention. You need to be with people. You need to care about people. You need to be interested in their lives and what's going on and and learning from things that they're learning about. Maybe they'll say something that will help you learn something. And just because you care about them, you're interested in them. You're interested in who they are and what they're doing and how they do it because it helps you understand them. So in that case, you focus on what everybody's saying carefully because you care about them. What they think and what they say is important to you, you see? So then you do, but if it's not important to you, if the only person who's really important to you is yourself, (laughs) then you can be sitting in a crowd of people and they're talking to you and you just kind of wander off into space someplace and you're not really listening. And when they're talking to you and telling you this and telling you that, you go, huh? You know, I missed that because you're not paying attention. Well, then that's escaping. Yes. And it's generally being self-focused. You're more interested in what's going on in your head than you are interested in what's going on in their head. So you just kind of slip out. Pay attention to what's going on in your head. Well, like I say, there's time and place for that. You need to deal with things in your head. But you also have time to listen to other people and be attentive to them. So I guess the the point is that whatever it is you're doing, be purposeful with it. If you're sitting around a dinner table with your family and you're concerned about something in your own mind, put it off. Say, well, this isn't the time for that. I'll get to that later on this evening. And focus on them. And and then later on in the evening, you can go take a walk, you know, and when you're taking a walk, you can process your own stuff. You can do something else, or maybe at night before you fall asleep, you can process your own stuff. So it just depends. Be Do what you do, though, purposefully. All right, I'm having dinner with my family. I want to pay attention to them, everything. 
I want to find, you know, it's all interesting because it'll tell me about them and who they are and where they are. And I care about these people. Or you're in a classroom and there's an instructor up there talking to you. You, That's not the place to be disassociated. That's the place to pay attention. I'm really going to focus on what they're saying, not just hear it, but really pay attention to it. Follow every detail of it. That was that was a big aha moment for me when I was in college. By the time I got to my my uh, junior year of college, I realized that this idea of taking notes was part of the problem, not part of the solution. I used to sit there and half listen and half take notes, and I wrote down everything that the professor said, everything that he put on the board. I mean, I just kind of duplicated what happened in that classroom. And I felt driven to do that. I was writing and, you know, without even looking at where I was writing and doing things. And I had to capture it all. And then I realized in my junior year that all I had to do was pay attention. Just listen with, you know, I don't know what I could say, but with focus, you know, a real tight focus, listening to what they were saying. And I didn't have to take any notes. And I could do real well in all the tests because I really knew what this guy was talking about and why he was saying it. And I just had to listen to them. And when I was trying to take notes, I was only half listening. And I realized that if I just focused on it, I didn't have to take notes. I almost didn't have to study. I knew exactly where his head was, what was important, what he was trying to say. And I could ace all the tests just by paying attention to what the guy said. And that was a aha, you know. School's easier than I thought. All you got to do is pay attention. And I'm sure the professors are standing up there talking. <laughs> they wish those kids would pay more attention to what they say because they say things and they turn around and it seems like nobody in the class heard it. You know, they wonder how that could possibly happen. Everybody's too busy taking notes or doing other things to pay attention. And then if you're going to do that, though, you always have to be prepared. Otherwise, you can't follow everything he says which means you read ahead, you understand the material, you're prepared when you walk in to listen to that lecture, you know what the subject is, you've read something about it, and you understand, and now you can follow him very, very well. So that was my big aha in how to go through college, was to prepare for a lecture. Don't walk in cold and say, well, I'll just walk in here cold, let him tell me what he wants me to know, and I'll write it all down. Go in prepared and listen. But it's the same thing with life. You know, you're talking about life and, and drifting off. It's the same thing. You have to really focus on people and what they're saying and why they're saying it and who they are and what's moving them to that point. Understand where they're coming from. And that takes focus. If you just half listen to people and they're just kind of noise yammering in the background, you'll miss all that. And your relationships will be very superficial. So if your disassociation is a good thing sometimes, some places, but you can get out of balance with it. I know people who meditate you know, six hours a day. I think that puts them out of balance. They miss too much of their life that way. You need to have a balance between being there and, you know, and being in your own head. 
whatever you do, do it purposefully. You go to a social gathering, be social, pay attention. If you're not, disassociate and go inside your own head if you like, if it's profitable. If it's not profitable, then you're probably just escaping. Or maybe you just need a break. Maybe you just need a little relaxation. That's okay, too. All right, what's the other half? All right, thanks. Um, kind of answered my half, other half of the question, but um, the other half is since fear can hold us back from um, NPMR, can it also hold us back to PMR, sort of what you were just talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it then... Is. There's a big problem everywhere. No matter what reality you're in, fear is something that will get in your way and hold you back. Mm -hmm. And I guess following up, um, what are some tools that we can use to be better focused um, in PMR as well as NPMR, but um, more focused, like you said, more purposeful, um, especially for those of us who struggle with ADHD tendencies? Well, it probably goes for students in classrooms, too. You have to really care about what you're doing. That's kind of the main ingredient. You focus on what you care about. You tend to let drift the things you don't care so much about. Well, if you're caring, if your kind of beam of caring is only that wide, then unless something's inside that beam of caring, you're not focused on it. You just let it go. It's not important to you. What you need is to take that and widen that beam up so that what you care about is bigger, that you care about all of your life. You care about all the people in your life. They're all important. You know, you care about what the professor says. You care about the people you meet people you just are getting introduced to. You know? And in which case, you start paying attention more. So I would look there. I would look at, what do you care about? And is it all self-focused? I only care about the stuff that really matters to me. Well, then your caring is going to be, you know, a, a, a smaller focus. If it's, I care about other people because... I learn from other people. I just want to understand other people. What makes them tick? Why do they do the things they do? How do they make choices? Because if I understand that, it'll help me make choices. I'll see behaviors in them, and then I'll find those same behaviors in me, you know, and I'll understand it better. So I want to pay attention to everybody. And I don't want to do things like a zombie, you know, zoned out or, like you say, you know, distracted, kind of not fully paying attention. That's the old phrase, be mindful. No matter what you're doing, focus on it and do it well. So if what you're doing is washing dishes, well, be look at those dishes. Focus on them. Are they really clean? Are there spots on them? You know, did you, you know, did you do a good job with them? Make sure you do a good job. Now, if you just kind of wash them because you wash dishes every night and it's just a thing you do and you think about other things, well, 
maybe that's okay sometimes, but mostly you should be paying attention to what you're doing. And eventually you won't be so single-minded that you can only pay attention to one thing. <laughs> You'll be able to pay attention to multiple things at the same time. And then you can be present in a wider space at the same time. So that just takes you having an interest to do that. Most people that kind of zone out are zoning out because they're self-focused and it's not about them. Whatever's going on really isn't about them. And they have a hard time paying attention to anything that isn't about them. It's necessary for them. It doesn't, you know, it isn't something they have to do. That's why a lot of kids have trouble paying attention to the professor in the front of the class because they don't really care about the material. They're just taking the course because it's required or because they have to in order to get a certain degree. They don't really care. And when you don't really care, it's hard to make yourself pay attention. And if you don't pay attention, it's hard to really learn it and understand it. So most people go through life not caring too much about a lot of what they do. And in that case, they miss a lot of important things. So caring about things is a very significant step. Caring about things other than yourself, learning new things, growing, understanding others, appreciating others, other things. Then you're, then what you're interested in will grow and you care about what you're interested in. That'll grow too. So it's perspective. We have narrow perspectives. We can have broader perspectives. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. It's all good stuff. Masi, please go ahead with your questions. All right. Tom, I wanted to ask you about getting rid of fear, ego, and belief, and so-called spiritual enlightenment. And I think you have been asked a similar question before, but because this is an important question, I want to ask it anyway. And uh, I think it's important to get rid of fear, ego, and belief, or at least it's important to be aware of them. But for us truly be able to live a conscious and good life, I don't think that's enough because for us to be able to live a conscious and good life, there has to come about a change in our identity. We almost always identify ourselves as individuals and nothing but individuals. But for me, the self is not just an individual, but all that there is. <clears throat> I criticize spiritual teachers for not emphasizing enough the ne negative effects of fear, ego, and belief, and just mainly focusing on this kind of change in identity, which I just described. But on the other hand, if we just focus on trying to get rid of fear, ego, and belief, but never become aware what the self is on the most fundamental level, which for me is an individual that is not just an individual, but all that there is, we can never have truly a conscious and good life. So you just want me to comment on that? I didn't really hear a question. Because you don't emphasize this change in identity almost at all. You just talk about getting rid of fear, ego, and belief. Mm -hmm. 
if you get rid of your fear, ego, and belief, unless you are a rock, I would think that you would understand the bigger world and that you're a part of it and how you connect with that world and how you connect with people. You'd understand about caring and giving. You'd want to love. You'd want to give. It would be about others. It would be about what you could help. You would see yourself as part of a bigger picture, a bigger thing. And that would be enough. You don't have to see yourself in a religious context. You don't even have to see that there's a larger consciousness system. You would just intuitively understand that we were all one. We were all part of the same thing, that everyone's important and everyone's significant. I think once you got rid of the fear and the ego and the beliefs, that would be obvious. I don't think there'd be any way to miss that, that we are all in this together because you'd care about everyone. You would understand and, and be able to feel and connect with everyone. You would feel one with all because fear is what isolates us and makes us not be aware of that. So I think getting rid of that fear and, and the ego and the belief makes you leaves you, you know, compels you to be part of a bigger picture. Matter of fact, it is that bigger picture that, that concerns you. It's not self. You're no longer concerned with self. You're concerned with what can I give? How can I help? And you, you know, whether you put it in the context of a, of the larger consciousness system or of a God or something else is really irrelevant. That's not significance. That's the intellect trying to, trying to make a model. That's not really important. What's well, important? I disagree with that. I disagree with it. It's the intellect. I, I sell for me, it's the nature of, of reality, nature of self, that self is not just the individual. It's not the intellectual thing at all. Yeah, well, I think that would be obvious. Once you get rid of fear, you'll know you're a part of everything. Everything's a part of you. Everything's important. And you would, I think that would be just as obvious as the fact that you exist. I think it would just be obvious. I don't think that's a special thing that you'd have to learn. Now, if you have a lot of fear and ego and belief, then you can learn that from the intellect. Yes, there's a bigger whole and we're growing to become one with this and to care about all people and all that would be an intellectual thing. I think once you get rid of the fear, you just are that. It's just something you're aware of. But what I, what if I, I argue that you can still have a non-dual experience, but still fear something, you know, fear some things, you know, certain things. Well, Sure. I, you're saying you don't have to be perfect to get that understanding. I would agree with that. Um, most people are a mixture. You know, it's not like either people are totally consumed by fear or they're totally free of it, you know, and they're totally love. That doesn't describe very many people. People are a mixture. 
they have some fear and they have some love. And as that love grows, they, they care about others. They feel connected to other people. They begin to feel one with everything. They're not only connected to other people, but they're connected with the environment, with the critters and everything. They want to help. They want to be a part of the solution. And that means they have a sense of oneness and wholeness in the world. The more self-centered they are, then the less they have that. So, no, you don't have to be perfect. You can have some fear. But it's a, it's a continuum. So the less fear you have, then the more whole you are. The more fear you have, the less whole you are. And it's, a, it's just a matter of, of growth. You know, there are people who get to being love through a traditional religious path. There are people who get to becoming love through a completely non-religious path. That, I don't know, the, the context of it seems to me is only important to the, to, the, uh, to the intellect to decide, oh, I'm, you know, I'm non-dual, we're all one, we're all connected. You get rid of your fear, that's obvious. That's your life. You live that way. You don't, you know, you don't need anything more than that. That just becomes an obvious thing. But sure, you can have, you can be non-dual and have some fears. You can be, you know, any combination of the fear and the love. It's just better the more love there is and the less fear there is. Am I missing the point, Masi? No, I get it. I get what you mean. I, I do get what you mean? I'd, I'd like to ask another question. <laughs> okay. And uh, it, it's, it's related to positive thinking, and it seems that you support positive thinking. But uh, I think positive thinking has its problems. There are two big problems with positive thinking. The first big problem with positive thinking is that positive thinking is usually based on either a positive attitude towards life or being positive about one's life situation. Positive thinkers are positive when one of these two conditions are met. When their life situation is positive enough for them, for example, their, their relationship, work, financial situation, or health are the way they want them to be, or that they can uphold a positive attitude towards life regardless of their life situation. Mm -hmm. The problems arise when neither of these conditions can be met, when their life situation is no longer as positive as they want it to be, or that they cannot maintain a positive attitude towards life anymore. There's an even bigger problem with positive thinking. That is that positive attitude towards life or positive thinking is not the same as awareness. There are a lot of positive thinkers who are not conscious people. What I mean by awareness is the awareness that the self is not just the individual, but all that there is. This non-dual experience of self and existence has nothing to do with positivity or negativity, although, of course, both positivity and negativity are part of this one all-inclusive existence. I don't really even know what it means to be positive or to be a positive thinker, because for me, the self is both positive and negative at the same time, all the time because the self is everything. For me, most of psychological suffering is caused by the absence of this non-dual experience, 
where the individual experiences himself or herself as everything and not just the individual, not because people are not positive, positive enough or because they are too negative. Okay. Well, there's other uh, downsides to positive thinking that you didn't mention that I would mention, and that is if that if you use that positive thinking um, to get what you want, um, you know, if it's an ego, if your ego says, well, I can use my intent to get what I want, I just have to be real positive about it. And then you can make yourself positive about it. And, you know, you can do that to manipulate other people. So, and to manipulate things, but that's not really what I mean about being positive. I mean, you know, it turns out to mean kind of the same thing. Be positive is another way of saying don't be negative. It's um, maybe another way of, of saying that same thing. If you're negative about things and you see the dark side of everything, you see the problem of everything, that is all about you. That tends to feed the fear. That tends to feed the ego. And that tends to create beliefs. So that tends to be dysfunctional. If you're positive about things, it does just the opposite. Positive isn't being positive, you know, it's positive is positive about what's out there. Positive goes out to other. It's not just positive about self. Fear is, a, is comes into yourself. Fear is the vector towards you. I'm afraid of things. You're afraid you feel negative because it affects you negatively. It's a problem for you. It's something you don't want. Being positive. But, but what do you think about my you. argument? I'm sorry, that reality is both positive and negative all the time. That because well, reality is everything. Existence is everything. And we don't have to suffer that there's negativity in the world, even though there is whatever we define subjectively as negativity. Of course, because negativity is our subjective view. What what is negativity? Just like positivity is nothing but subjective view of positivity. If we all didn't have ego and fear and belief, if all of us were just beings of love, there would be no negativity. Everything would be positive. But as a con, there, there would be con as a con. Okay, I agree with that. But still, as a concept, there would be still the opposite of what is you know, love. If love is positive, as a concept, there still would be this. Oh, uh, this be. negative. Sure, you can yeah. always have that as a. There could be a concept, but the concepts would mm -hmm. never occur to you. The concepts you'd never think of intellectually. You could say, "Oh, I could go buy a gun and shoot you just because I want your car." But you really wouldn't, you know, you could think of that, but you'd never, you know, it would be an abhorrent thought because you really like that person. You care about them and you don't need to have their car at all. You see, so yes, you could think of it. You know, it could be, you could write a fictional book about it if you like, but it wouldn't be part of your reality. When you're positive, if everybody were loved, there would be no negativity in the world. Everything would be positive. Matter of fact, you know, everybody would be in kind of joyful. Everything would be good. So we want to move in that direction. 
yes, the way we are now, full of fear and full of ego, there's, there's, you know, good and there's evil. There's things that are positive and things that are negative. And we would like to move from the negative toward the positive. That should be our general direction of growing. It's what we should do. And yes, I would agree. We need to accept the world as it is. The world is the way it is. But I mean, when I say accept it, it's not like, and it's okay to be that way. No, it really needs to be more positive. We really need to to learn to love and care about each other. We need to do that. But I accept it is the way it is in the sense that I don't fault people for being who they are. Okay, here's somebody and they have, you know, a self-centered streak in them, or maybe they're nasty, or maybe they want to tell everybody what to do. I don't judge them for that. They just are who they are. You see? So I accept things that they are the way they are. But to me, if you're part of the solution, then you're part of moving things toward love. You're part of moving things toward being positive. If you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem in the sense that you're not doing that. Now, maybe you think there's this middle line between being part of the solution and being part of the problem that you're neither. You're not part of the solution. You're not part of the problem. You're just existing there. Well, I think that's probably not true. If you're just existing there and you're not trying to be part of the solution, I'd probably define that as being part of the problem. We don't want to just exist. We want to be in motion. We want to be becoming love. We want to be getting bigger pictures. We want to be moving toward non-dualism. We need to be moving toward that direction. If we're not there, then we need to be moving there. You see, it's all about moving and being and becoming. So things just don't, they're not stuck the way they are. So that's why I continually say, you know, be positive, be caring, be loving, get rid of your fear and your ego, because when you are, you're going to end up a non-dualist, even if you've never heard the word before, even if the concept's never been mentioned to you, you're going to end up that way because you're going to care about everything and you're going to love everybody. And you're going to see yourself as just a piece of a bigger whole of everything. So you and everything else are all one. It's what you, it's what you are. It's what you care about. So you're going to be a non-dualist. Like I say, you know, not through instruction or not even through, you know, thinking about it or understanding, but just, you'll just be that way. So that's, that's where it ends up. You know, I talked to a, a non-dualist. I had a little talk with one, uh, on the uh, internet the other day, um, Mr. Rupert Spiro. And Rupert Spiro and I had a conversation that, that will be published by him and his group. And it was really, it was really good because when you, if once you get in my, in my uh, model, once you get to the larger consciousness system as a home, as a fully developed larger consciousness system, from there forward, Spiro and I, or I guess I should say Rupert and I, uh, were absolutely right together on the same sheet of music. There isn't anything he said that I didn't agree with. It was absolutely connected. But where we came apart was from the larger consciousness system back 
in time to where the larger consciousness system was developing and becoming and evolving into that system. Because Rupert started with the system is there. It's always been there. It's infinite. It's perfect. It's not evolving or becoming. It just is. That's God and God is always God. Whereas I start from the beginning with a, a reality cell that can only determine this way from that way. And then I develop it up to a larger consciousness system. And that, therefore I have things like the system is an information system. It's evolving toward lower entropy. Lower entropy in a social system is, is, you know, evolving toward love. And I have all that then that is a whole lot more information. So up and if I start at larger consciousness system <laughs> forward, uh, Rupert and I were absolutely eye to eye on everything else. But where we fell apart was my larger consciousness system is not perfect. It's evolving. It's a work in progress. It's lowering its entropy and, and so on. You know, it's a, and I, I start that out as consciousness and see how consciousness evolves and our consciousness. And so I had a lot of details in my model that he just never, it just was never in his picture because he started with the LCS and goes forward. Other than that, he says, God, I say LCS. <laughs> there isn't any difference between what we mean. It's source, you know, so we got along. So, you know, I'm different than dualists in the sense that I start earlier. My model starts and also derives the larger consciousness system. How did it get to be that way? And what is it? And now I have reason why the system wants to work with us and help us. I have reason why individuated units of consciousness exist. It's not just that God made people. There's a reason. He couldn't evolve. You know, he's stuck. This evolution starts to fall off if he doesn't have more possibilities to expand into. So he splits off pieces of himself and gives them. You see, so I have all this these reasons why things happen. And, and uh, Rupert, basically, these things just are. They are this way. And we start from there and, and move forward. So that's the basic difference between MBT and dualism is I have a beginning. That beginning explains why you have um, yeah, people, you know, what's the point, what people are here for, what the purpose is. And it, it brings in entropy as a, as a moving force there. So I make a more, what do we call it, a natural model, right? Mine's a more natural model, and it's not the... Um, it's normal, not super, not super normal. There's not super normal. It's not the right word. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So that's the, that's the basic difference in that. Other than that, myself and the non-dualists get along perfectly. And we get along perfectly anyway, because I agree with everything they say. You know, I don't have any, any problems with that. It's only, only any, they talk about God being infinite and so on that I say, well, I really don't need that. You know, it's not an important part of it. You know, I started a, just an earlier part and derive up to that part. So the dual, the non-dual Rupert had us kind of developing until we grow up 
until we understand non-dualism, we come love, and then we reunite with the with the Godhead. And of course, I differ there with the with the non-dualists, because well, that kind of that would kind of say, well, we break apart for some unknown reason, just so we can suffer and struggle so we can become what we were where we started and go back to it. And now that's where we started. And that seems kind of a pointless cycle there. But if I see it as part of this larger growth of the whole system, then yes, uh, we, you know, we have to reincarnate because we're growing, we're evolving the quality of our consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. And then we don't, go back and just become one with 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 all that is because we're valuable we've learned a lot we can teach we can help we can help other people understand and why right and when we're in our most capable do we want to disappear and take ourselves out of you know the the, the market of teaching so those are the mm-hmm. two areas on the very far end i disagree with <laughs> with the yeah. Then on the very front end, I disagree, but everything in the middle, I think there's no disagreement at all. Yes, I, I would uh, agree with you that, you know, time and change is real. A lot of the non-dualists say, say that time and change is not real. And also, I agree with you that sort of existence is not infinite, that it always can evolve. And in the, so yeah. I, my view is a lot similar, I think, to your view in that, that instance. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Tom Campbell here. I and MBT Events hope you liked this video. We now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly, ad-free YouTube channel. Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can. It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.